Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience, a podcast confronting current events, politics, comedy, and calamity, all from the perspective of a trans titaness. She's a verbal black belt, skilled in the art of roasting, the hellmouth, doomsayer, CEO of the Amazon position. Here's your host, Cameron Ellen Terrell. Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience. I'm your host, Cameron Aileen Maharet Jarrell, a.k.a. Tranos. Say it with your whole chest or witness my final form. This is Tranos and the Lived Experience, the show that took a small hiatus because in 20 days, I shapeshift. Before we get into the episode, once again, this show is brought to you by the meeting of music and marijuana. Today's music selection is brought to you by a band called Downswing, and the song's name is Shapeshifter. Uh, Give that a listen before you listen to this episode, see what mindset I was in before we got here. Um, Today's strain is also, by the same name, Shapeshifter, also known as Shift, is a rare, evenly balanced hybrid strain. It is a 50-50 balance of indica and sativa created through crossing the infamous Old Man Purple X Northern Lights Haze and Memory Loss Strains. If you're searching for the perfect bud to help you really kick back and both mind and body shape shifts are totally it. Um, we rolled up a little pre-roll of it earlier today and we're going to partake of it at some point during this episode. Well, let's jump right in. I am recording as of February 27th. Uh, I, took, um, I took a week, like two weeks off. Um... I got a big life event coming up in the next 21 days, actually, (laughs) if you count today. Um, I will be going in for my facial feminization, and this is a procedure that I've been waiting for for a long time, like since I was about 15 years old. Um, I'll be turning 44 this year. Um, Two weeks ago, I retired from professional wrestling. The wear and tear in my body and my um, slowness to recover was part of that. But a big part of that was the surgery coming up and not wanting to risk my health any further. Um, So let's talk about it. As far back as I can remember, I felt different. I felt like I had a little bit more control over my body than anyone else and a lot less say. The impact of realizing that I felt different and had no way to name it. I I latched on to things like lichens and shapeshifters because they seemed like the freest creatures on the planet to just become whatever you wanted at the drop of a hat. Um, Really imprinted on me. So I want to say around like, and we've talked about this before on the episodes. We've talked about this on the show before. Around like four years old, I realized that my body was not aligned with my mind at all. And uh, my first shift came after like trauma. I was told that I'm never going to be this thing that was in my head, that I was crazy thinking about it, that I was a weird freak for having these questions. Why am I a boy? Why do I have to go through puberty? Why do I have to do what other boys do? I, I, I don't feel 
like a boy. It was always met with um, my mom's like look of terror and my dad's like silencing of me immediately, like beating it out of me immediately. Like, don't be a sissy. You're, you're a boy or being around my like grandfather who at the time had no idea the amount of damage he was doing when saying these things like be a man was a term that you heard a lot of from the males in my family it was always being said and I'm a man men get respect and be a man you gotta be tough like I never seen any of my uncles cry I've never seen any tender moments where it was where they were softened for a second it was always like, you got to be a man, you got to do this, you got to do that. So my first shift was indeed becoming that. Um, I did away with feelings, and I talked myself into believing that I was crazy. That these feelings that I had were intrusive thoughts. And that I should push them down as far as possible if I wanted to thrive. And I end up just surviving really I never thrived in that state um becoming a boxer I was in a locker room full of boys um even though we were being trained by women I was in a locker room full of boys so the misogyny intensified and in the midst of that misogyny I had to shapeshift again I had to become something more like my illusion wasn't strong enough when I walked in, you could tell I had a sway in my hips. I had a very strong lisp. I still have that lisp, but it's more masculinized now. Um, I had a strong lisp. I had an affinity for girly things. Like I wanted to like, I wanted to like chase birds and pick flowers, not wage like wars in a in a ring. Um, so I had to toughen. I had to I had to get a thicker skin. I had to be better than everybody else, faster, stronger somehow. So I would train and train and train and train. And I like f hyper focused on being like a better boxer than all the male members in my family who were boxing at the time. And as much as nobody wants to admit it, I was. Um, I understood the science of it. And I, I decided that my analytical woman's brain was how I was going to beat them because they relied solely on strength and toughness and if you're not well-rounded emotionally then you can't access your intellect during a fight you become rageful you become blinded you want to get your lick back uh i i became very calculating and i realized that i was smaller than everyone else i realized that i was more dainty that i didn't actually want to be here so i wanted to be faster so that i could avoid damage and I wanted to be smarter so that I could pick angles I learned that angles were something that I would use a lot in my life I would use angles to um, skew other people's perceptions of me I would use angles to totally not be perceived I would use angles in a fight I would use angles when I was punching I would use angles uh, to my to my advantage I, I made myself look bigger than I was all the time. And that's not just physically, that's emotionally, that's like, oh, my aura, my energy felt bigger than it actually is all the time. I'm even doing it now. Um, it's a skill that I believe most trans people, which I will be addressing as shapeshifters, um, it's a skill that we develop very young.
we learn how to size up a situation and then be what needs to be in that situation, become what needs to adapt. I mean, adapt and become what you need to get through that situation. I found the ability to do it um, really fast. And I've said this in past episodes, but like if you've met me in the 44 years of time um, that I've been on this earth and you you picked a random 100 people and you put them all in the same room at the same time, they will not say the same things about me. I've lived so many lives in this small period of time, um, this four decades. So we're beyond the boxing fringe now. Like, like I'm, my body is slowly changing. Puberty has begun and I am terrified because I don't want these changes to happen, but I have to take hold of them because like, there's no way out at this point. Like my parents aren't going to allow me to transition. It's not even a conversation that we can have. I didn't even know transitioning was a thing at that age. I just knew that something was wrong and I needed to be constantly in disguise all the time. And by the time I was 12 years old, I was completely tired of it. Then I think I want to say around like 14 years old, I was introduced to the world of the internet and I was able to look up things and read things that I've never seen before. And, and, and I had this real weird affinity for the occult. So I used to like go to Rundell library, downtown Rochester, and I would ask to be let into the occult section and I read as many books as I could about incantations and things that would help me change it was the desperation of a child remembering at 14 years old I still had the mindset of a child even though I had these big adult concepts I had to wrap my mind around and I would sit in the library for hours my friends would be in there messing around and trying to like access porn on the temporary computers because you had to sign in. They'd be trying to access that stuff. And I would be surrounded by books of the occult, like looking for like spells and, and maps and things of that matter. And I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy now to believe in those kind of things, but like for us to believe that the world is such a, a, a well-defined thing that we could just totally rule out uh, the occult and rule out things that are paranormal. It just always felt weird to me. And I know it feels childish to other people to be like, I believe in spells and werewolves and those kind of things. But I do. I'm a witch. It's just, it comes with the territory. <laughs> I believe in those things. I tried to find out any way to like poison this well of manlyhood that I was going to be forced to go through. And I spent hours looking up like literally the literal term shapeshifter. I learned about myads and werewolves and vampires. And I wish that I could be anything but what I was. My skin crawled on a daily basis thinking about all the changes that were happening. My muscle tone was becoming more defined. My jawline was starting to get stronger. My voice was becoming somewhat deeper and cracking all the time. I appeared less in the middle, less androgynous. And it was starting to like fuck with my mind. So I spent hours upon hours in the library. And then one day, uh, some bigot wouldn't allow me into the occult section. So I just kind of was reading the medical, um, me like medical stuff. And I started looking up, like, has a person ever changed genders? And that's when I stumbled upon the knowledge of the word transgender. 
I studied and studied and studied and I wished with all my heart and hinted at it every chance I got that I like knew something was wrong and I knew I needed procedures and I was told that it was impossible, that I was too poor for those things, that I was too crazy and that my mind would change. Um, and this is at the period of time now where I'm in foster care. Now I'm in foster care. Uh, I'm in a very Christian household because that's the kind of shit they pull in foster care. They put like queer kids in really Christian houses and then criminalize them by something as small as not wanting go to go to church becomes criminal. <laughs> um, you can be locked up for disobeying a Christian foster parent and they won't hesitate to do it because at the end of the day, you're a throwaway child is the way they made me feel. They made me feel like I was a throwaway. I lived in facilities. I had to stay in uh, respite homes a lot because like I refused to break. I refused to be something other than what I am. And somewhere along the line, like I learned that the, uh, the utter turmoil that I was consistently going through was because I was too ready to show people who I was. And so I shifted again and I became something else. Um, this thing was more rageful. It was more, uh, it was what they asked for. If you ask me to reside with the uncomfortability of living in this form, then you have to deal with the anger that comes with that. I was full of rage all the time. Um, and I threw caution to the wind regarding the changes that have befallen my body. I was like, if I have to change into this thing, that I'm going to embrace it and become the most dangerous version of that thing that I could become. I spent a lot of time in gyms. I spent a lot of time running. I spent a lot of time like in the woods. I was like, if I cannot be bitten and turned, then I will fashion myself into this thing. And this is around like 19. We talked about this also before. Like, I realized at 19 years old that there were procedures out there like facial feminization that people were getting all the time. It just wasn't called that at the time. It was called like nose jobs and brow lifts and lip fillers. Those things are like trans procedures. And I, I so wanted them. But then I watched a lot of the girls at the time, they were getting black market stuff because insurance wasn't covering any of these things it was seen as like electoral if you wanted to change your body it wasn't seen as like a life-saving procedure so I was watching a lot of the girls like fill their bodies with like fake like putty and cement and going to like back alley places and risking infection and I I was terrified of it I was terrified of it because my knowledge of science and my 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 limited knowledge of medicine at the time everything about that told me that it was too dangerous for me to risk um i also had to keep up appearances around 19 years old now i'm two years into being a professional wrestler i'm starting to get asked to come to different locker rooms and i'm slowly becoming less and less and less femme presenting because i have to so there's another shift another uh forced shapeshift where i had to become gabriel now we fast forward to today 21 days from now i get to look into the mirror for the first time and see a face that's mine not a not a, a, a embedded shift that i was forced into not a, a, a face full of sorrow not a face weathered by a growth that was unwanted um, or trauma.
I'm not, it's not going to wipe away those things, but it's a clean slate. It's an ability to see myself for the very first time after being alive for four decades. Um, they used to have this term, I think it was called uh, Old Nick's Wink. Uh, the term refers to like vampires. It's the reason why vampires can't see themselves in mirrors. And it's because they say that the devil wants to remind you that you have no soul. So he cursed vampires to not be able to see themselves in a reflection because a reflection requires a soul. I've been walking around for four decades feeling broken and soulless. Never once looking in the mirror and seeing me. It was always this thing that I had to be. Always this thing that I had to become. And I had to reside with the scars and the bruises and the broken bones that came with it. I'm excited. I'm really, I'm really excited. I think trans people are heavenly beings and we get to experience things that other people would consider paranormal. Think about it. What other creature on this planet is born twice, dies twice, and shifts, physically shifts throughout their lifetime from one extreme to the other? Some can even become and even shift somewhere in the middle. Some people turn into something completely different. Not man, not woman, but something else. Another being. <laughs> um, I think that trans procedures are life-saving. They're also like a magical feat. Um, and a lot of people are like, who would put their body through that? Negating what I've already put my body through. I put my body through stress, anxiety, fear of perception. Uh, I have had to wear thousands of guises in the amount of time that I've been on this earth. It's only been so many thousands of days. And most of those days, I had to wear a mask. Sometimes a full body suit to be accepted. And even with my... Uh, with, with my shape-shifting. There's things about me that I couldn't change. I can't change and I'm black. So I still had to per be perceived as a black person, a, a weird, semi-queer black person my entire life. My entire life. And then on top of that, I'm openly trans, visibly trans, which has caused me problems in my family, which has caused me problems uh, in my in my neighborhood, caused me problems at work and, and, and places of employment. I spoke about it in the past episodes. I have had, the tally is higher now, I have had 13 jobs since I came out as a trans person. Now the tally is a little bit higher. We're at 15 jobs. 15 different jobs. And I've never been fired for like productivity or performance. It's always this weird thing where like me being perceived in a place where I have to be perceived becomes the problem. The, because I'm not willing to wear a guise anymore. Like if I come out the house and I, and I don't look passable, I'm punished for it. 
And there's this huge argument that's going on in the community again about effort. Effort. Don't you think we're allowed a break from trying to fulfill this passability thing all the time? And what is passability if not a way to protect yourself? Now you have to protect yourself from other trans people? There's a phase that we all go through, and there's a level of effort that one needs to to live on a daily basis. And can you imagine how tired I am? It's so draining. But it's part of my executive function disorder. My executive function disorder, some days I get up and I'm like, I'm not fucking shaming. I don't care enough to do it. I'm not willing to eat. (laughs) Like, I'm not willing to leave my home. I'm not willing to be around people, which has been going on for more than half a decade now. Like, I have literally been uh, pseudo-agoraphobic because of the anxiety of passability this entire time. And who knows, like, I'm an expert at shape-shifting. I could shift and be passable as a cis male, but why would I lie to myself anymore? I could take my boobs down and get a haircut. (laughs) Like, I could wear more masculine clothing than I already do, and nobody would perceive me. But I would have to succumb. I would have to be Gabriel again. I'd be trapped in a suit and this life is supposed to be so hard. Everybody's like, it's a harder life when you live this lifestyle. Well, first off, I didn't choose it. No one does. And I know we're still fucking arguing about it, even though 98% of trans people will tell you the same thing. I didn't choose this, except for the coons that are walking around there tap dancing for scraps from white supremacy. They'll become like straight up medicalists. Um, this whole like putting in an effort to be out in front of other people. Like I get it, put your best foot forward, but your best foot forward should make you comfortable. Your best foot forward should be aware of your feelings constantly. Should be aware of your comfort level constantly. It should be therapeutic. You should feel comforted in it. If I have to go outside and I have to like course it up, wear high heels, change my voice, do all of these things just to make you comfortable, I'm still serving you. I'm still wearing a disguise. Make no mistake about it, the surgery that's going to be happening in the next 21 days. It is not for you. It's for me. Am I going to come out looking like some weird brat stall? No. Am I going to come out mimicking cis women? Am I going to look like a cis woman? No, I'm going to look like me. For the first time ever. And I wouldn't have to go through all of this pain and surgery and recovery if I was allowed to take blockers when I was young. I wouldn't have needed any surgery. If I was allowed to take blockers when I was like 14, 15 years old, and then 
went on HRT when I was 18, I wouldn't have went through all the bodily changes that I went through during puberty. I wouldn't have went through the, the, the enlarged muscle mass, the, the bigger hands. My feet are a size 10. Everybody in my family's feet are way bigger. Every man in my family's feet are like size 12, size 13. <laughs> like, by definition, I'm, I was sm a smaller build. My feet were smaller than my mom's. My feet are smaller than my mom's feet. Uh, it's a lot. It's terrifying to think about the the amount of surgery I'm going to be having. I'm going to be going in, um, they said, around 7 o'clock in the morning. And the surgery probably won't end until 7 at night. Then I'll be in recovery. I'll have to stay over one night. And then it's three weeks of healing before I'm going to feel and look comfortable enough to go outside. I'm also going to have to change my diet. Everything. Because I can't chew because I'm going to be having surgery on my jaw. So I won't be able to chew for a couple of days. Possibly a week. My healing factor being factored into that. Like most people, it takes like two weeks for them to be able to like chew solid food with no trouble. Uh, I'm counting on the fact that I heal really fast. Um, but I'm still taking into consideration. Thank a uh, shout out to B for telling me to take it slow. Uh, they always are looking out for my best interests. Um, I'm not, I can't do what I did last time. My last surgery, I was all by myself. Um, I had my sister coming every once in a while, but like I, I was down and out for like a whole month and I wasn't allowed to lift things or go places. And I had to, I had to do those things. Um, I don't know if you remember, uh, that saga where I got an infection uh, and I pulled a muscle from constantly moving while recovering, but I didn't even know I did it. I didn't even know I had the infection until I had like a feverish temperature. <laughs> um, this time I got to take a little bit more care of myself and, and uh, shout out to Hannah Harkness. Uh, she volunteered to like leave Massachusetts and come take care of me. Like, she's not going to be able to stay the whole time because that's asking way too much. But, like, just the gesture of just being here for a couple of days, is I totally appreciate that. So, shout out to Hannah Hartness. Um, it's going to be a lot of change. And I'm hoping a lot for, I hope it's for the better, mostly. Um, no, I'm not going to be some completely different person. But my face is going to look drastically different. The period of time that it's going to take for my face to completely settle is a year. The three weeks or so, all the swelling goes down. But like the residual swelling and shifting of my face is going to take a year. It is the longest shift I've ever had to do. My shape shifts before that were mostly superficial personality traits and mimicking other men and clothing. This one is like bones will be moved. Parts of bones will be removed. Cartilage will be added. Fat will be transferred from one area to the next. 
like there's going to be drilling and all kinds of things like that happening. And and thank God for anesthesia. Um, I know this sounds like weirdly ominous. But my time on this earth has allowed me to abstain from injuries that I should have had. And in this stage of my shift, I cannot afford uh, avoid injury. This is going to happen. I'm going to be in large amounts of pain. And I know someone's going to say pain is pain is beauty is pain and all that other shit. No, this is a life saving procedure. The level of dysphoria that I felt regarding my face and genitals is astounding. <laughs> I vow that this is going to be the last surgery that I have. And it's all getting done at once. That's why it's 12 hours. Um, as for, and it's, even though it's none of your fucking business, as for bottom surgery, I'm 44 years old. And as uncomfortable as I have been with uh, my genital composition, I will not be going undergoing any more surgeries after my face. That's that's off the table. Will the dysphoria regarding that body part end? No, but that's tolerable. I'm taking something so huge off my plate. The, the one thing that I see on a daily basis, the one thing that people see on a daily basis, and you're like, hold on, you don't see your genitals on a daily basis? I don't look at them. I'm so off-put, and I, I don't think I've ever said this on my show, I am so off-put by that area of my body that washing it is literally all I can do. It's literally all I can do. Like, I don't like uh, it being perceived. I don't, I generally am tucked all the time, which hurts. Um, but I just don't want, and that's why I, oh, it's a, it's a touchy subject because it, I gave up because of maximum discomfort intimacy. We've talked about this in the past as well. Like, I haven't touched another person in more than a decade. And it's because the level of discomfort that I feel surrounding that part of my body is overwhelming. Like, I can't connect with anyone physically. It just doesn't feel natural. I don't feel comfortable. I don't like that part of my body. Not to mention all the trauma I went through regarding that part of my body. This has been super hard for me. Uh, this last 27, 28 years has been really hard for me. Because like I said in the beginning, I had dreams when I was a child. These very deep, thoughtful, uh, vivid dreams. And in those dreams, I always saw a face that wasn't mine. And I finally get to see it for the first time a month from now. I'm going to be in super amounts of pain. I'm going to be racked with pain when I wake up in recovery. And I'm probably going to have the biggest smile on my face I've ever had. 
the most genuine, authentic smile I've ever had. Another trait that I've had to like fake is smiling. I'm, if you think you've seen me smile, no, you haven't. If you think you've heard me laugh, no, you haven't. <laughs> like, uh, I spent a very long time as a mimic and a shapeshifter. Uh, once again, touching on the skill set. The skill set is I have to walk into a room and I have to blend in. The best way to not be perceived without becoming completely invisible is to blend in, to become like either the most boisterous person in the room so everybody thinks they get a gist of you and then they kind of stay away from you or to become the most quiet person in the room. And I swing between those two pendulums. People talk about my charisma all the time. Like, oh, you know how to command a room and you know how to do this. And it's because I need to feel safe in that room. So I have to command it. I need to, uh, before it was, I needed to hide. I had a secret that you couldn't know. So I had to control every part of our interaction. How you perceived me, what you thought about me. I had to manufacture parts of my past that I just didn't even believe in. Didn't even believe in, had no say in. Um, so we've been talking about about 33 minutes now. Um, I got that pre-roll on deck. I'm not hitting any bones today, so I because I have to get used to not smoking because I also have to stop smoking for a month. Like I can't smoke uh until like a month after recovery. Um so I am getting used to not hitting bongs. All my bongs are being hidden and moved away from me so that I don't have to think about it. Um, not that it's gonna be that hard because I can go that period of time. I know you hear this all the time, but I am not addicted to marijuana. I just like it. It's been a constant uh, because uh, it doesn't argue with me and it doesn't talk about how I look. It also doesn't judge my voice or make me feel othered. Um, so if you hear, click, click what you already heard. Cough, cough, or this weird any of voice I'm having right now. Being adult about it, I smoke marijuana. I'm about to go in there and get the myth the, the, the Mrs. Frankenstein face in a couple in a couple weeks. It's it's fast approaching. Very fast. Uh where's my paperwork? It's it's right here. I don't know if I share it with you. It's my medical information. I don't have to. Um wish me luck. Um, there are going to be episodes. I'm, I will be recording during the recovery process. I will also be re recording videos during the recovery process so that I might document the changes so that I can see them. And then I'm going to share them with you. So trigger warning, I will be bruised. Uh, there will be blood. There will be gauze. There will be stitches. And um, you're going to get to see all of that if you would like. And if you don't, then move along, motherfucker. Um, I am going to change outside of the cocoon. I'm not going to barricade myself in this house because that is also over. <laughs> this next shift is ending all of this agoraphobia and fear of the outside world because no matter how many times I've tried to use this place as a cave to protect myself, I always have to go back out in the world. So I like, what's the use of hiding anymore? You get, you get, 
the same treatment every time you come outside. And your passability is how they value you. That's why I don't take no, I don't, I don't really find any solace in passability. Because if I have to look how you want me to for you to respect me, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Most people don't have any control over how they look. Guess what? Now I do. And even with that control, I'm not doing anything to appease you. This is for me. I haven't done many things in this life for me. I stepped into this self-preservation, self-care, self-love era 10 years ago. And I, I am emotionally the better for it. But the world is fucking cruel. The world is a cruel fucking place. And as much as we say it gets better, we know that it does not for certain people. It's a getting better doesn't just happen. It's something that certain people have to work really hard at. Therapy and 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 finding a new family and and navigating bigots and and dangerous spaces, being able to afford surgeries, avoiding being homeless. Those are things that happen to those people that you don't see on those no hate posters. We value trans women specifically based upon how they look. Which correlates with how we treat women. But then you find yourself arguing with women, cis women, and and other trans women about how we should pass for, for cis people. Help me out of the game. Oh, I'm also getting dental work done, so be prepared for me to have actual fangs. Live with it. I'm stepping into this lichen shapeshifter like feel on my own. I'm stepping into it wholeheartedly. I want to look otherworldly because that's passing to me. I am otherworldly, so I look otherworldly. Even in the form that I'm in now, everyone wants to paint this picture of this like dangerous, dastardly, hulking presence that I have. And if you've met me in real life, you know that's so far from who I actually am. I get characterized and mammied by a lot of liberals and progressives, air quotes, and then I get turned into a monster by bigots and conservatives. I'm a magic Negro. No more. I'm a magic queer Negro, which is a different level. It's almost like a hybrid species. You got these cis women out here who want me to be their gay best friend. Uh, and then you got these conservatives out here who call me a monster, but want to fetishize me at the same time. I'm not, I'm no longer working within the confines of trying to fit in some space in between those two extremes. I'm going to celebrate. You know how I'm going to celebrate? I'm going to wait until the first full moon after my surgery. And I'm going to go find a field and I'm going to go howl at the moon unfettered and fully myself for the first time. With that being said,
We've been doing this for about 40 minutes. I'm getting high and starting to ramble. So I want to leave you with this. You will hear from me soon. Please look out for new episodes of Trenos and the Lived Experience. Um, also will be accompanied by uh, video footage, which we will be putting on a new YouTube channel that's going to be coming out directly. Um, my name's Kamrayin Aline Maharaj Jarrell, a.k.a. Trenos. I'm the first Lycan to ever step into the light. And this has been Trenos and the Lived Experience, the show that shifts constantly.